Hello, Sobertown! That's right, get on this train and ride. Ride into the wonderful, amazing world of sobriety. I'm here today with Sarah Malloy. And I'm here with Elaine Schuyler Neal. And we are, today is our first day with a special guest. We are here with Auntie, not Aunt, not Auntie, Auntie, say it with me. Auntie. Auntie. Auntie, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm an alcoholic. My name is Deborah Little. Awesome. We're so honored to have you here. We are working that sobriety. We love it every day. There's magic, there's miracles, there's sparkles. And you know all about it. And we're just so happy to have you have your wisdom here today. I know, I'm like ready to absorb the knowledge from you just because like I feel like I'm a sober infant almost yeah. coming up to a year yeah. and I just want to know all sorts of cool, whatever you've got in there that could help yeah. myself or anybody else keep going. So I'm super excited to chit chat about it. <laughs> Would you like to just kind of get us acquainted with your story, your journey, how you got here? So, um, in three months, I'll get to pick up my 15-year clean and sober chip. <laughs> and I got here because um, I was experiencing pain and desperation and no other plan. And when I slithered into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, there was hope in that room. And I saw a lot of women in that room that were smiling and they were happy and they were beautiful. And I was sitting in incomprehensible, pitiful demoralization and I wanted what those women had. That's awesome. Awesome. And were there, was, were there really that many women when you first started? Because I've heard a lot of people like go to A rooms and they're like, man, I wish there were more women. But you found you hit the right group. Actually, there's no difference between doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs. We all have our bottom, and we all need to get well again. Absolutely. I'm going to scoot this up. You want to pull up? Um, I have some questions for you. Can we just ask you questions? Of course. All right. What does sobriety mean to you? Sobriety means to me... Um, <clears throat> Boy, that's, that's a funny way to put it. But uh, sobriety means to me is that I get to keep my family and I get to keep my ability to be of service to other people. And um, I, I can only say that my best day drunk was uh, worse than my worst day sober because uh, sobriety has given me a brand new life. And... I, I want to keep my seat. I don't want to go back and be who I was 15 years ago. You know, I love the way you say that because you said that to me. One time we were at the cabin and I said, do you drink kombucha? And you're like, well, it's got trace amounts of alcohol in it. And, you know, you're getting closer to the edge. I call that fence sitters and I don't want to give up my seat, babe. <laughs> and it just, it stuck with me. And, you know, 10 fucking years later, I finally found the path and I think about that almost every day about how I have a seat and I envision it as like a seat at a VIP table right my name is on a plaque That's it's beautiful there's flowers there's cloth tables it's a VIP and I don't want to give up my seat nothing 
Nothing is worth this seat with all the sparkle. Yeah, it's true. It, it wasn't all teacups and unicorns getting here. <laughs> it absolutely was not. Anything you want to share about that? Well, um, we all have a different bottom in our life. We all have a different God of our understanding. And um, the beauty of sobriety is that you don't get to graduate. No one's going to give you a diploma. Mm. This is a one-time, one-day-at-a-time um, deal, and you just have to keep working at it. The most important thing I was taught in yeah. uh, AA was um, you have to get the spiritual part of the program first before you get the mental and the physical. But when you get the spiritual part of it right, the mental and the physical will just follow behind it. Okay. I do believe that. Uh-huh. And so AA, what is your avenue? Absolutely. Yeah. This has nothing to do with religion. Yeah. Because religion is for people that are trying to get to heaven, but AA and sobriety are for people that have already been to hell. Yeah, girl. Woo! True. Wow. You want to pull up and get your coloring going? Get, get your book on. <laughs> We're all sitting at uh, this like uh, really cute insight. Well, what describe this room to us, Sarah? I love you, Elaine. I love that you're like <laughs> such a journalist and you're like, let's bring people here. So this, it's perfect that we ended up in this room. This is an upstairs, it's a gallery is what it is. Um, and it was built to showcase all of the pottery that my mother-in-law made um, throughout her career. And she keeps it here. She would photograph it up here. This room, the way I remember it, always had like boxes and bubble wrap and stuff because she would ship it. People would buy it online and stuff, and she was shipping it. Um, and so after she passed, my father-in-law made it into this little, like, it's like, a, it's like a studio apartment. I know. Can we record here all the time? Just to add, because we didn't introduce this before, but we're at Sarah's absolutely beautiful Carbondale, Colorado home. And we're right at the base of a mountain. What's the mountain? Mount Sopris. Look it's it up. Just, it's just an absolutely gorgeous setting, and I wish I lived out here. It's the perfect setting for this. I'm going to just stay here in one of their yeah. suites and, their, and hope that they don't notice that I'm hanging out. That's we won't, be the plan. Elaine. This is your apartment. <laughs> um, okay. Um, tell us about the way you felt. If you can remember back to that first AA meeting, can you take us to that place and what that is? So I can absolutely remember what my first AA meeting was. It was actually in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. It was the uh -huh. uh, brown bag, bag lunch meeting. And I had had a, a, a pretty nasty ordeal the night before, uh -huh. um, of course, with drugs and alcohol. And... Uh, I walked into that meeting and I was a pitiful, incomprehensible, demoralized mess. And um, I was bawling my eyes out. I had the moral guilt trip going on. And I walked into this room and I was ambushed by hope because I saw all these beautiful, happy, smiling people just reeking of uh of, of hope and light for me. And it was actually, 
It was actually pretty pathetic to be sitting there bawling my eyes out with all these people who did not judge me. They just came over and loved me and put their arms around me yeah. and told me everything was going to be all right. And they said to me, just keep coming back. And that's how it worked. And did you believe them in that moment when they said, it's all right, it's all going to be okay? Like, did you believe that you could one day be one of those people? Um, I didn't believe on that particular day that I could be one of those people, but those people absolutely had what I wanted. Yep. Yep. What would you say to someone who is just starting out in sobriety? Don't drink an, even if your ass falls off. <laughs> I, it's simply that. That's it. I would tell them, just keep coming back. Uh -huh. Just keep coming back. This is a one day at a time. You don't get this by Thursday. This is hard work and, and patience and love and tolerance. Yeah. But you just have to keep doing it one day at a time. Yep. I know I don't ever want to feel like I felt that day again in my life when I slithered in. Ever. I love the term slithered. You yeah. Know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is there any, like, what about, like, the mindset? You know, when someone's starting out in sobriety, I think to me, once I finally got it, it came down, you know, to mindset. Cause you're like, you don't, you don't pick up, but what, what's the mindset that keeps you from reaching for that glass? So, um, in the actual AA program, which is different, I believe from what you folks are doing online mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. you have to hook up with somebody that has what you want and they do take you through the 12 steps. And mm -hmm. this is where I get a little confused because I don't know yeah. if you guys work with the big book or that kind of thing. Yeah. But even if you don't work with it, you have to find somebody who has what you want and work with those people. Uh-huh. And that's like the concept of a sponsor. Absolutely. Because you have a coach a and coach they can lead you. Know. Yeah. So there are there are people in our community, it's across the globe, who are AA. They are devout, is that a word? Yeah, there's all sorts of people. And but this is a great question too for you because there are a lot of people who are looking at non-traditional AA formats like smart recovery or just going it on their own. There's also different groups that have come out um, more recently that are kind of almost anti-AA. So I'm um, just more, not, not so much anti-AA, but just basically saying that like, AA is a bit antiquated, might not be the best um, text for somebody who's agnostic, for instance. So I'm curious um, what you might say to someone who's on the fence about AA and they're and they're they want to explore it, but they might not get the religion piece of it, you know, or they might not be sure about the religion piece. Yeah, actually, I'm really glad you brought that word religion up because mm -hmm. we don't use the word religion yeah. in AA. Mm -hmm. We use uh, the term spirituality. Yeah, and there is a big difference. But I say kudos to anybody, no matter how you're getting sober mm -hmm. or where you're getting sober or what Wi-Fi thing you're on. <laughs> <laughs> Sobriety is sobriety, and it is one day at a time, and I have a huge, I talk about this all the time in my meetings, 
The young people are taking over yeah. AA. They really are. And I have so much respect for what comes out of their pie hole. I say to these young children, well, they're yeah. not children. Yeah. They're 20 and 30 years old. Mm -hmm. How did you get so smart? I know. That's I know. what I say. How did you get so smart? I know. It's amazing. Because there's a girl that sometimes comes to our Zooms and she's 24 and she's adorable. You, She's got the world at her feet and everybody just fawns all over her because we're like when I was 24 I was still running around in diapers okay <laughs> I didn't know up from down and this girl goes you know this drinking isn't working for me it's mm -hmm. not giving me the life I want it's not making me feel and she goes I'm gonna put a stop to it and it's like that's wisdom mm -hmm. and I sure as shit didn't have that when I was 20. Four. Yeah, does that surprise you seeing younger people? I mean, so Deb's about to turn 69 in like just a hot second, like October 4th, maybe? Yeah, 10 4th, yeah. buddy. Okay, so when you got so, what does that surprise you that there are younger people getting sober that early on and they're Absolutely. Yeah. It shocks me because. I, I didn't I thought Alcoholics Anonymous was a cult and I thought <laughs> Yeah. I thought people quitting drinking were nerds. Yeah. Absolutely. I thought, I thought the really cool people were hanging out in the bars and snorting cocaine in the bathroom and yeah. you know yeah. getting on the bus after the concert. Going up to the after hour parties till the sun was coming yeah, up yeah, next yeah. day and the little birds were chirping and you had to go, Oh my god, I gotta get home. I, I my, my children are at home with the babysitter. Yeah. But uh, sobriety is really where the cool people are at. And I think this is why so many younger kids have jumped, not kids, yeah. young people. I absolutely know what you mean when you say kids. Jumped yeah. on board and said, oh my God, these old farts know something we don't know. <laughs> yeah. They know something we don't know. And these kids are jumping on board and they're getting it. And this is what I tell all the young folks in my home group. You're going to be a millionaire. And I'm not talking about money. I'm yeah. talking about how rich your life is going to be because you gave up the booze and the dope. Absolutely. Okay. Millionaires. So, so that makes me wonder, too, how did you get, bridge the gap from, okay, AA is a cult to now I really want to be like them? Like, what? how'd you get there? Was it just that you got so low that you kind of felt when you slithered in, like, okay, I'm just going to surrender to this? Everybody has a bottom. Mm -hmm. Every single person has a bottom. All of our bottoms are different. I hit my bottom. And this was my choice. It was jails, institutions, or death. Mm -hmm. I did not want to go to a mental institution. I did not want to die and leave four beautiful children alone. And I definitely did not go and go back to jail. So, yeah. yeah. Um, the back to the young people getting sober. Mm -hmm. I love it. To me, I feel like it's... It's trending. Elaine and I talk about how sobriety is the new black. Okay. But sometimes I have to think, you know, when you're like picking asparagus and you can't find one, you can't find one. And then once you see one, you go, oh, 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 there they all are. They all start popping up. And it's like, is it something that I see now because I'm in it? And so I'm seeing it. Or is it really taking kind of a mainstay in our culture? I actually believe this in my heart that um, the, 
the the younger generation today is bottoming out faster yeah. than the older people. Mm. And I just I believe that you you young folks are seeing the miracle of sobriety. Yeah. You're looking around and you're feeling and seeing and going, Oh my God, we don't have to live like this. We don't have to make the same mistakes our parents made. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. And I see celebrities doing it too. Oh yeah. And I and I remember, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago when it's like, did you know that that celebrity is sober? Yeah. Did you know that? And now, anybody who's worth the shit is sober. Right. We have more positive um, social proof now. Like, things that we can look at around us and say, that looks like it's working more than... But yeah, because, I mean, when you were growing up, there. I mean, I feel like even when I was growing up, there was drinking all around me. And um, I just wonder about that generational component. Did you have a lot of drinking going on around you? Well, I think it's everywhere all the time in every generation. Yeah. I don't think it just came from my generation yeah, in yeah, yeah. the 50s. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you start adding the designer drugs to uh, that that wasn't around in the 50s, or at least they kept it in the closet yeah, with man. all those crazy movies they made later. Um, I just think it was it, it's always there. It's like breathing. It's always been there all yeah. our lives. Yeah. No and it's in every I'm commercial, yeah. it's in every movie, it's in every, oh, every, everything. They make it look so inviting on TV and on, you know, the screens and everything else around. Um, okay. A lot of times, so in our week, I think we call, I call it spontaneous sobriety. Yeah. And in a couple of the books I read, um, they talk about just, a program is nice and having something to follow is nice. And it's important, you know, once you get into it, there you do need to kind of be able to sink your teeth into something. Mm-hmm. But for me, at least, there was a time where I was like, I, I'm fucking done. Mm-hmm. And I made up my mind that I was done. And mm-hmm. that no temptation would ever be worth going back. And they call it spontaneous sobriety. Right. And we talked. What do you, what do you, do you want to add up? You want to talk about that? No, I wasn't sure. When you said spontaneous sobriety, I thought you were talking about continuous sobriety because I heard this young lady say something interesting a couple th- this morning. She said, well, I've had sobriety a couple of times and, but. Yeah, you know, sober experiment. Sober experiment. But what I actually, what I was hearing was, yeah, but you went back out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it took me 12 years to get continuous sobriety yeah Yeah. one time i was 90 days shy of getting my three-year chip and i went back out so i don't call that continuous sobriety i had to start all over again Uh with day one that's what i was going to ask you was did you have like you know sober test runs if you will but you almost got to three years what made you drink then at that point did you just think i'm cured now because i feel like that's something that i can get wrapped up in like okay i've proved my point i'm cured now yeah i can moderate Mm -hmm. one of my retired boyfriends slept with one of my bartenders in a restaurant i owned that's why i went back on (laughs) (laughs) nobody is worth giving up your sobriety nobody boom yeah Boom. Big lesson learned. Sarah's killing flies. I, I can't even. <laughs> um, Just to add to the ambiance. Yeah. It's actually, actually the mood. Did I say the word retired? No. You can say whatever you okay. want. Oh, my God. I forgot. <laughs> you want to get your calling back on? No. Okay. 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 Um, oh, God. How am I going to get him? Um, okay. So, in our group, sometimes we talk about the addict voice. Hmm. And... 
um, somebody kind of coined this thing that it's this trickster, it's this demon that kind of lives in your head and it'll, it'll push buttons and pull levers and do whatever it needs to do in order to get, it wants you to drink and it's throwing a temper tantrum when you're not drinking. That's, what do you think about that? That's called cunning, baffling, powerful, patient. But whose voice I hear is Gilda Radna uh -huh. yelling off of a balcony. Hey, you want some Harvey's Bristol cream? That's who I <laughs> That's your attic voice. We all have our own attic voice. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's Gilda Radna. And Hallie, do you have to battle it? Do, you're 15 years sober. Is that something that you still deal with? No, it's not at all. I don't. I don't ever think about drinking as an option anymore. I, you know, there's there's exercise. There's uh, giving back. Giving yeah. back is what cured me of that. If you're giving back to someone else that really needs some help, you're out of the committee in your head. Yeah. Uh huh. That's a great way to put it. You're out of the committee. Okay, so if you're not really battling like an addict voice, but you do take it one day at a time. Absolutely. So what does that mean? Because for me, I've been sober for five fucking minutes, okay? I'm an infant. She's got 450 days. Woo! Woo Which I wouldn't call sober infancy. It takes, a, it takes a lot to, I think she just killed the last one. I know. They're gone. <laughs> now I gotta wipe up their guts. What's the death toll, Sarah? <laughs> five. <laughs> um, but it's like, I sort of battle temptation, but I wouldn't say I battle it because I, I have, I choose that the sparkle of sobriety is well worth, is way better than the temptation of any glass of Chardonnay at a fancy party, a thousand percent. But when we say we take it one day at a time, what, what does that mean? So do I want to wake up tomorrow morning on the ground with dirt in my mouth? Or do I want to wake up tomorrow morning and feel like a million bucks and say, wow, what mountain should I climb today? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, that's the temptation for me. It's the committee, the committee in your head. Uh -huh. Think the drink. Think mm -hmm. the drink. Do yeah. I want to wake up on the floor with dirt? Yeah. Or do I want to... Wake up and have a, an awesome adventure. Yeah. Sometimes I get up and get super excited because I got a new mop head. Yeah. I have a new mop head. <laughs> I have a new mop head today. That's exciting. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's the little things. It I is. don't have to worry where I'm going to crawl this morning to get a bloody mirror so my hands will stop shaking. Yes. Fucking A. Yeah, so that makes me think too because like in the beginning I used to worry that this would be like my whole existence would be thinking about drinking forever. Like, did you worry about that at all in the beginning? No, I didn't worry about it because it was my life. I yeah. was in the chaos and drama. Mm -hmm. I thought all of you people lived in the same world <laughs> I lived in. Mm -hmm. yeah. I thought you were all in chaos and drama, and that was the norm. Right, right, uh, right. For sure. But for you didn't sure. worry about, like, um, okay, once I get sober, this is going to torment me forever. You oh, just I absolutely thought my life was going to turn boring, stupid, and glum if I got sober. I wasn't going to have any fun anymore. I even had a husband who told me when I quit drinking I wasn't going to be fun anymore wow. can you comment on that because I um I've been That's thinking a, a lot I've been thinking a lot about the when one partner quits drink there's all these reservations against quitting drinking well what about what about right you finally get to a point where you go I don't fucking care about I'll figure all that out but right now I'm gonna get sober but one of them is 
if you have a partner that still drinks, how does that affect, you know, your relationship and your connection? What weigh in so on? Basically, um, I have to worry about my own inventory and it's not my job to worry about how much he's drinking. But just for myself, there was a point that his drinking started to become boring to me because mm. he was telling me the same stories and the same jokes <laughs> and repeating the same stuff all the time. And I was sitting on the couch yawning because I just needed to hear something new. Yeah. Something fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Something new. Something mm -hmm. fresh. It was boring. Yeah. How yeah. long do you feel like it took for that worry to pass? Like Which worry? The worry about, like, I'm going to be bore, boring and dull to other people. Like, how long were you sober before you're like, you know what? That's a bullshit worry. So when my home group started inviting me to climb 14ers with them. Yeah, you go. <laughs> that became very exciting. Mm -hmm. And in 15 years, I got to climb 20 14ers. Yes. Not a young age at all. Okay, but, so for people who don't know, a 14er <laughs> is, yeah. a, is a lingo term here in Colorado for a 14,000-foot mountain. And they're just extremely hard because mm -hmm. it's above mm -hmm. tree line. You're 14,000 feet, and it sucks to breathe, let alone, like, it's like going, it's like going 20 feet and then having to stop and gasp for air, which you mm -hmm. cannot do drinking, by the way. No, you can't do drinking. Hungover. Mm -mm. And you can't do hungover either. Um, real quick, back to the thing where you said, when I think, uh, do I want to wake up tomorrow with dirt in my mouth, or do I want to, what mountain am I going to climb? Yeah. Um, sometimes I hear people talk about playing the tape forward mm -hmm. and they go, I was at a barbecue last night, you know, and, uh, they were all drinking and I really was tempted cause it's such a trigger for me. It's something I used to always do, but I played the tape forward and I thought, what am I going to do? I'm going to have one beer and then I'm going to have another and then I'm going to have another and then I'm going to wake up with dirt in my mouth. And it's, it's just one of those little like tactics, the little tricks that we use to like yeah. stave off the addict voice. Yeah, did you ever do that? Play the tape forward? I, I have to do it almost every day of my life because mm -hmm. not that I have the urge to drink, but there are people that still think, especially people that are coming in new, they're so afraid that their life isn't going to be exciting yeah. anymore because they put the they put the drink down and it's it really so works the opposite because I'm so capable of getting up at four o'clock in the morning and starting a day that's gonna turn into this beautiful miracle. Uh. Even if it's even if it's taking the new mop head out and washing the floor, <laughs> it feels way better yeah. than having the poison running through my body and I can't get up off the couch to go wash a couple of dishes in the sink because I'm in so much physical and mental pain. Absolutely. Uh, I kind of wanted to talk about the mental pain, but I feel like we all kind of know it. But when you're drinking, you think your life is so great. And then when you quit drinking, you go, I, I can't believe anyone can live that way. Yeah. For me, it was anxiety. I couldn't, I, and the anxiety and depression are hand in hand. And you're just so free. Mm -hmm. The freedom of it. Yeah, talk to us about your sense of freedom now over the last 15 years. Babe, that's a great word and great way to, um, to uh, reply as 
to sobriety as freedom mm -hmm. because you are free. You really are free when you stop getting high and stop getting low because um, you get to do things like you actually see things that you've never seen before. Like when you pointed out the rainbow before, mm -hmm. if I had still been drinking and using, I wouldn't have been awake at that point of the day and had <laughs> seen that beautiful rainbow or that buck running across the driveway yeah. that my sister got to see yesterday. Yeah. So it truly is. Freedom is, um, that's a great way to look at sobriety. It, I used to think... Freedom, I'm free. I'm free to drink whenever I want. They're not free. They used up all their chances and they don't get mm -hmm. to do this fun thing that I get to do. And what a fucking joke, man. It's true. And I'm going to tell the I want to tell you this story. We went to Mexico, okay? My family and I I was 6 months, 7 months sober. We went to Mexico and I was like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. We get through the airport and we're out in like the airport parking lot waiting for our hotel shuttle to come get us. And there's this pop-up bar and everybody came out whoop, and went right to that bar. Mm -hmm. And it's this shitty pop-up bar in a fucking airport parking lot. They couldn't even wait to get to like the Mexico of in this fucking Mexico airport parking lot. And Did you my, see me there? Because I think I was there. <laughs> I don't think you were. I think and I was in shackled. my mind's eye, Auntie, I saw those people as if they had handcuffs to that bar. And they got out of the airplane and they had to go report to their demon. Mm -hmm. And I had my beautiful children. I had water, sunscreen, snacks, hats. And we were off to the beach in a fancy hotel that I could afford to buy because I quit spending all my fucking money on booze. <laughs> freedom from bondage. It yes. is. People freedom from bond the When she said the handcuffs yeah. going to the I heard freedom from bondage. Uh-huh. And I do love that you have all... I do love that about AA, that you guys have those, like... Do we call it an adage? It, the one-liners that are just... They are like, the one-liners, babe. But they work for me, babe. They helped me. They took me to, like I said, I was ambushed by hope when I walked into that room and saw happy, smiling people. And I said, why are they all laughing? It's 7 o'clock in the morning and they're laughing. Like, how dare they laugh? I mean, uh -huh. Don't they say I'm crying? I need help. Yeah, like how are they having fun? Right? Yeah. Why are they having fun at 7 uh -huh. o'clock in the morning? Aren't they supposed to be miserable oh, alcoholics? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. How could that possibly be? So when you're, let's go back to that, that first day. Now that you are 15 years when that person walks in on their first day, can you talk about your thoughts and feelings and ideas about that person? The first thing I was taught, <clears throat> when a new person walks in the room, you walk up to them and you introduce yourself because they're real, real easy to pick out. Kind of like when you're walking down the street and you know that person's an alcoholic because of the way they look. Your job is to welcome that person and give them the hope. Uh -huh. That's your. That is my job to walk up to a new person and say, "Hi, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Deborah Little." Just to make them feel you're gonna be okay. Have a seat. Hey, the coffee's right over there. We even have donuts today too. Uh -huh. You have to let them know. Not that they're interested in coffee and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> but you still.
still have to let them know yeah. we're here for you. This is your place. We are your people. <clears throat> the newcomer is the most important person in the room. Not the guy with 30 years. The person that just walked through the door. Because it takes a boat ton of courage to walk through that doorway and say, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you guys, you have, I feel like you just get so fed in sobriety you know, the light and the wisdom. And then it's so satisfying to give it mm. when someone needs it and they, they want it. They're willing to take it. Let me ask you this. So how important in AA, when you guys have the ritual and, and you proclaim that you're an alcoholic, how important do you think it is to identify with that word? Because there are some people who aren't sure if they identify with that word, especially after they stop drinking because they think, I'm not an alcoholic anymore, I don't drink, you know? And there's been whole books written about <sighs> this concept, like should we be labeling ourselves an alcoholic, does that? What do you think about that? Well, <clears throat> I don't know what any of the folks out there want to know, go, go as mm -hmm. far as labeling themselves, but I know in my little tiny life, I wake up every single morning at four o'clock in the morning with untreated alcoholism. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. all I know. I can't tell you what you have. But if you wake up and you're in a jail and you don't know how you got there, <laughs> or if you wake up in a hospital bed and for some odd reason your hands and feet are tied down to the bars, yeah. or if you wake up in a mental institution and you have no idea how you got there even though there's a cop standing beside you with the black and blue face that you gave him yeah. there's a real good chance you might be an alcoholic just a small chance so. or if you wake up in a morgue <laughs> i read a quote i love the quotes on the internet and i i think i'm about ready to start reading a Woman's Way Through the Twelve Steps by Stephanie Covington. Because um, I do love the, I love a good one-liner when you're kind of at a thing and you go, mm -hmm. you're, you know, your mind starts to kind of drift and you go, you know, and you, mm -hmm. it just brings you back. And there was one that I read that said, um, a friend came up to me and asked me, wow, you're sober? How'd you get rid of your addiction? And I said, I didn't. Sweetie. <laughs> Uh, addiction doesn't work that way. I'll always have it. I just choose not to feed it. Awesome. Mm. And it's like... Yeah, and see, that sentiment right there is something that I was in denial of for a long time. And maybe still am because it's just something that I, I kind of didn't want to carry with me forever, you know? Yeah. Well, it isn't just a, a river in Egypt, sweetie. Yeah. Really <laughs> I know. I mean, I can at least be honest about it now that I'm still struggling with these things, but I think that's okay. Like, it's okay that I'm still sober. I'm still trying to figure out my own definitions of it, I think. Absolutely, because when I came to AA the first time, mm -hmm. um, that was 25 years ago, not the first time I told you about, but yeah. the first time I went to a meeting, I only went to AA because I was not an alcoholic. I just needed to learn how to drink like a lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where I was going to go. I yeah. just needed to stop ripping my clothes off in a bar because I thought I was the cutest thing there. Yeah. <laughs> Lerna, you probably, so, she probably was the I cutest know, thing there, I just know. to say. Absolutely. If you got it, flaunt it. So, 
let's talk about moderation because I think even on the app, there's still people who fantasize about moderation. Yeah. And I'm going to call him that he's our guy, Shiki, and I just love him. Mm -hmm. I just love him. And he just relapsed after seven months. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think we all get met with all, we have a rainbow of triggers and you just keep working through them as you go through. You go, oh, the picnic, the barbecue. He got met with a trigger that he couldn't beat. Anyway, he says, I realized that this entire seven months of my sobriety, I thought that one day I'd be able to be a weekend drinker. Yeah. What do you think about the fantasy of moderation? Um, we call it <clears throat> controlled drinking is what we call it, which is the same as moderation. You know, um, I just don't think it would work for me. I don't want to speak for the entire community out there because that would be like me being starving and somebody handing me a bag of Lay's potato chips <laughs> and saying, you can only eat just one. Uh -huh. If you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic, deal with it. Yeah. But there is, um, most people, normies, normies don't ever wake up and think about like that. They don't yeah. think about, well, I can only have two drinks today. They automatically have one and a half drinks. And then you look at their glass and go, Damn, they why didn't away. they finish the, the yeah. drink? What a waste. <laughs> yeah, like Lisa Randall. Yeah. It, so that leads to my next question, which is, are, is alcohol is an addictive substance. Do we agree on that? Absolutely. Sure. Okay. And so is there such thing as a normie? I mean, there, we don't fucking talk about cocaine normies. There's no meth normies. So... What do you, what is, is there a normie? There are normies out there. There are a ton of people out there that can have a glass of wine with dinner and be done with it. But an alcoholic says, I'm only going to have a glass of wine. But what they forgot to do was change it to a bottle of wine or <laughs> two bottles of wine yeah. or whatever it takes before you pass out a blackout or yeah. brownout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. What's a brownout? That's what I want. So a brownout is not as bad as a blackout. Mm -hmm. When you blackout, you black out for hours. Mm -hmm. But if we made this up in my home group, a brownout is when you remember bits and pieces of the blackout. Like when you ripped your shirt off on the bar and you threw it into the crowd, but then the brownout happened and you went over and grabbed your shirt back because that was a really expensive shirt and you punched the guy that got it. Yeah, that was a brownout. <laughs> <laughs> Pieces of the blackout come back. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Wow, I didn't realize I was having brownouts the whole time. Oh, I know. Light black. Light black. <laughs> well, and did you always have kind of like, were you always go on the drinking or were you a normie for many years? Because I feel like I was a normie for many years of my drinking, but then it just progressed. Well, it is a progressive disease. And actually, to be honest with you, I came from the generation of 67, 68, 69. And actually, drugs were on the market way before drinking was baby shit to us. Mm -hmm. You know, we started out with the pot, the LSD, the uh, psilocybin, all that stuff. So I actually was a very late bloomer with alcohol alcohol because mm -hmm. uh, drugs were too strong. They weren't working for me. You know, yeah. that was a scary part. But um, I, I might have started out as a normie, but I don't believe I did. Mm -hmm. I think I was born an alcoholic and I am an alcoholic and I am not cured. Mm -hmm. I know that. 
Uh-huh. You just choose not to feed it. No way, baby. Yeah. I love my... Look at I get to sit here with two beautiful young <laughs> girls and answer their little ridiculous questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got one for you. Right. What about the quote I read on the internet that says, don't just slay your demons, dissect them and find out what they've been feeding on. Actually, I, that sounds like whoever put that up, they actually did the work and went through the 12 steps and found out, yeah, why I drank like I drank, why I couldn't have a bump of cocaine. It was don't talk to me unless you have a baggie. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely 12-step work. And you know what? I don't, I don't care if you kids ever do 12 steps, all you young people. I think what you're doing is amazing. I really do. I love it. You're, the bottom line is you're getting sober, you're staying sober, Sober and you're going to have a great life. Yeah. You are going to have a great for sure. life. For sure. Because it is, you think, all right, don't drink at the barbecue. Don't, you know, when you're five, when you're five days sober, you're like, I'm going to go to this barbecue. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And then when you're five weeks and five months, you know, you're kind of like, why was I, what is it? You have to get to the root. It's not just not reaching for it. It's what was it that made me think about it when I wake up or get excited about it or fucking sneak it into a high school graduation. It's like, what was it that made me need it so bad? Yeah, did you have a lot of soul searching when you first, like, wanting to get to the root and trying to answer those questions you just mentioned? Like, did you need to know what made you drink in the begin with? Or were you just like, who cares? I'm just done. Well, you, you folks called it a coach, but I had a sponsor, mm -hmm. and that was her job was to take me through the 12 steps yeah. and find out why... Excellent book right here. I cool. read this. Um, why why I did what I did. Why my behavior was like my behavior. Today, I love going to the barbecues and watching the drunks because that is the greatest show on earth. It is. It is live entertainment. HBO can't touch this. <laughs> That's the true story. Okay, someone famous said, they just said, I regret a lot of decisions from my past, but I'm not ashamed of who I am in any way. Do I do... You... They're talking about the nine step promises. We shall not forget the past, mm. nor shall we dwell on it. That is in the promises of the ninth step. You can't really forget your past, babe, because if you forget, like the cancel culture tearing down the statues, because yeah. he, he owns slaves, you know, you don't want to forget the past because that's the reminder to let you know where you don't want to go back to. Yeah. I don't want to be wearing my sister's $150 beaded dress on Halloween and get so drunk I fell out of a Jeep and ruined my sister's dress uh -huh. and had her come back at me to tell me how much money I owed her for that dress. Uh-huh. True story. Uh-huh. We shall not forget the past. But I'm not in any way ashamed of who I am. Like, you have to kind of own it, right? So Absolutely. you can walk forward. Absolutely. You have to kind of own it. He's probably so happy today with his life. Why would he want to go back? Neither do I. What was the quote again? The end of the quote? I regret a lot of decisions from my past, but I'm not ashamed of who I am in any way. No, because he can look at himself today. I, it got me right here. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You look at himself today in the mirror and say, oh man, this is what I say to myself when I look in the mirror any day. First I say, you're the problem when I look at the mirror. Yeah. And I say, you know, God forgive me. I was a terrible mother. I was not there for my children. I missed a lot of really important events in their life. 
but I'm an awesome sober grandmother. Hell yeah. And that's my payback to my children today for what I drug them through. The stuff they saw they should not have seen from their mother. Uh-huh. But uh -huh. I give it back to their children today in sobriety. I want to bring up the lighthouse. There's an idea... It's this. No, it's not. It's, so it's there's a there's a great sobriety book by Lotta Dan, and it's called The Wine O'Clock Myth. And she talks about it wasn't even in that book. It was a different podcast I heard with her where she talks about being a lighthouse. And it's, it, lighthouses just stand there and shine their light. They don't go around the island trying to save ships. They just stand there and shine their bright beacon of light. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, I love it. Elaine, when I very first met Elaine, she interviewed me for the podcast to hear about my story. And she told me that. And it just, I, I it's my next tattoo. I'm getting a lighthouse tattoo <laughs> yes. because people There's in my life, sorts of fancy tattoos. people in my life have stood on their island. And all you do is you shine your light. You don't go out in the storm searching for lost ships. You stand in your strength and your light. And eventually others see that light and they crawl to shore. This is called attraction, not promotion. When I lived with my beautiful niece, I never once, when she came to pick her, her daughter, I babysat up, her three-year-old daughter when I was babysitting her, she came to pick her up in the morning, and I never once said to her, Sarah, you look like crap this morning, and you stink. Yep. I just gave her the baby, and I smiled at her, and I said, I got to go down the street to the AA meeting that starts in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Attraction, mm -hmm. not promotion. Yeah. A thousand percent. And there's things that you said to me even ten years ago that I live with now that, that, that light my path. And so I, I kind of, we're almost yeah. closing it up. What do you say to someone who has found sobriety, they love it, they sparkle every day, who has someone in their life that sobriety would sure would do them a shit hell, a lot of good? What do you say, what are, the, what are your thoughts on getting someone sober? Getting someone sober? Yeah, how do I get someone to quit drinking, auntie? <laughs> Babe, it isn't your job. It isn't your job to take that person's inventory. All you have to do is worry about cleaning up your side of the street and your front door. Maybe they'll get it by attraction, but promotion. My guy never got it in 17 years. And I, he probably got so sick and tired of me giving him the look or rolling my eyes or anything I else did, I did towards his drinking that he probably bailed because he ghosted because of that. Like, oh my God, she's going to stay sober the rest of her life and preach and preach and preach. I never really did though. I never you don't. Said, you don't. You have to quit drinking. You have a problem. Just like, okay, go get some help. Go sleep it off, whatever. You know, but, because every time I think about somebody in my life who I go, God, sobriety would look so good on them. Oh, I think, yeah, but 10 years ago, is there anything anyone could have said to me mm -hmm. to make me go, okay, fucking no. And I'll tell you what the key to sobriety is for me is I want it more than anything. You can't make someone, you can't sell that to someone. It has to come from right here. They have to... I want it more than anything. You gotta That's make simply it the key. You mm -hmm. got to make it attractive. 
can't promote it. You can't rah, 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 touchdown. It doesn't yep. work like that. Okay, so do you have any more questions about sobriety? Because I'm going to move on. To the, so, to the quiz round. Folks, we've got a bonus round oh. for you today. I hope oh. you're still hanging. Do you need more coffee? you need more water? Because it's about to get hot. So here in the United States, we call it football. It's uh, measured in inches and feet and yards. A hundred of those is a touchdown. Um, it's American football. Auntie... Uh, it's her last great vice. She is, you're amazing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to launch into a list of bonus lightning round <laughs> questions. If you have a fantasy team, get your pen and paper out. <laughs> if you don't know anything about American football, you're about to. <laughs> so I'm going to begin. Oh shit, it all got. I'm going to begin with just the simple stuff. Okay. I feel like I'm on Good Morning Football. You you are. She's gonna get recruited for it. You okay? Football. So who do you have for Rookie of the Year? For Rookie of the Year. It's yeah. I definitely. It's we're gonna start out hot, oh, shit. hot and fast. Where's my pencil? Rookie of the Year. It's gonna be one of the new quarterbacks because we got a bunch of new quarterbacks. And they, they, they threw Cam Newton out to let Mac Jones in. Gee. If you want to come back, we can. If we you can want to get warmed back. up. Because yeah, I think we... get warmed up a little bit. Because okay. that's a big one. Rookie of the year. All right. Who has the best shot to win the MVP? Uh, MVP of the Super Bowl or MVP voted by the league? Both. Both. So, obviously, Tom Brady's not going anywhere till he wins his eighth... Super Bowl ring. Oh my God, Tom Brady. Going nowhere. Uh huh. I love him or I hate him. He won't next go Next to away. godliness. He's the man you love to hate and hate to love. Okay, but I think we need to just set everyone, we, everyone needs to understand you know, where we're coming from. Auntie, what's your pecking order in, of life? My pecking order in life, when I say God, I mean sobriety, goes Tom Brady, God, Mick Jagger, and my 10 grandchildren. <laughs> So now you know. All right. So back to the MVP. We'll do Super Bowl and then also the uh, league. It's early. I mean, football just started three days ago, five days ago. If these are these are lofty questions, but they're not beyond her. I just want to add. What that was my the first question? concert was Steel Wheels in 1989. That was a great show. Yeah. <laughs> what was the question? MVP. MVP. Um. Jeez, MVP of the league. I would have to say um, they're probably going to give it to Patrick Mahomes again if they get to the Super Bowl. But in my heart, I don't believe they are going to get to the Super Bowl this year. I believe the Buffalo Bills are going to take their place this year for the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. Uh-huh. Okay. Your favorite player. Uh, we already know that. Actually... I've really gotten kind of addicted to Chase Young lately uh -huh. because he's the guy during the playoffs last year kept saying, I want Tom Brady. I want Tom Brady. I want Tom Brady. He plays defense and he's a big boy. And when he, Tom Brady said, when Tampa Bay came in and they beat uh, uh, Chase Young's team, Chase Young was so humbled, he went up to Tom Brady after the game and called him Mr. Brady, great job. Oh. So I love that story. Um, if you could spend a day with Tom Brady, what would that day look like? Like, how would how would it begin? How would it? I would take him first to an AA meeting, then I would let him take me to lunch at a plant-based food restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Uh, do you do you have a pick for the who's gonna win the Super Bowl? I mean, this is this. Is, don't worry, they're gonna get better. I already Tampa Bay. I have to go with Tampa Bay. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Um, do you know anything about fantasy football? I, I really don't because I don't like to gamble on football. Yeah. So I don't know anything about fantasy. But what? what it basically, it? I think that they can take the stats right. of every player and whoever's got the best, they can make a dream team. Is what. I, how I understand it. You can pick a dream team and you put them together and then the computer crunches all the stats from every game that they've played, the way that they played that game. And you and win it all, money against your coworker or some yeah, dumb yeah. shit. Stupid. <laughs> and then all the stats kind of get conglomerated together and you pick your best stats. So who do you think is going to have like best stats for you know their position in the league? Is that even a real question? Um, it isn't really a real question to me because everybody I know that plays fantasy football that I'm watching football with is not watching the game. They're watching their phone. So yeah. that was one of the reasons I didn't want to get into fantasy football. Although I do believe in my heart I'd be pretty decent. You'd be it. excellent. But I just, I don't know. It's just, it's that line I don't want to cross. It's almost a religion for me. I, I think don't I want see to... a side coming right. opportunity yeah. for you. I don't want to go, to, I don't want to go into it. What you need is someone to run the phone and write and then put the turn the checks over to you because all you do because you're you've got the who's the sleeper pick that nobody knows about this year in the league the sleeper pick oh ah the sleeper pick i think he's not new in the league but they switched his teams uh it's between carson wentz and uh, who's that quarterback I used to talk about that played for the Jets and they weren't uh, good to him? He went over to, um, shit, what the hell's his name? I'm old. I Derek Carr? Things. Nope. Okay. Um, the one I used to, Sam Darnold. When you used to always ask me about it. I think because those two guys have gone to new teams with way better coaching in a, a line that's going to actually protect them from getting mashed every time they go to throw the football. I think their stats are going to go way up this year. Excellent. Sam Darnold and uh, Carson Wentz. Okay. Betty Do you Wentz. think Brady just got a pinch too much Botox? <laughs> Do I think he got Botox? <laughs> He's got Botox over his he whole has body. He no Botox. That's a stupid plant-based diet. He's right. I read the book, TB12. The guy has the determination of... A, of Yeah, and he's operating off some just superhuman genes, I'm convinced. Yes, he's absolutely. He's, he's the goat with capital G-O-A-T. Yeah. He is the Who's goat. the baby goat? Who's the next goat, goat? The baby goat is Aaron Rodgers, but I believe Aaron Rodgers will be bumped out of baby goat position for uh, 15. My Patrick Mahomes. Uh-huh. He will become the baby goat. Okay. Do you think the Broncos <coughs> fucked up? Do you think the Broncos fucked up by not selecting Justin Fields at pick nine? Um, I do not, because I think that with their uh, new coach that they have, or the coach that's in his second year, I think he's going to do a great job. And I think by picking, um, who's the quarterback, babe? I forgot his T name. It's Bridgewater. But Terry Bridgewater. He's. I think Terry Bridgewater is going to do okay. I, I believe that uh, that uh, Denver will win at least eleven or twelve games this year, as opposed to winning six or seven like yeah. they have in the past. I don't know. This is their tenth quarterback in five years since. Since uh, Manning won the Super Bowl, this is their 10th quarterback. I know. We used to be kind of like a legacy quarterback yeah. thing. And then it's like, we needed, we didn't get really, we, we had Tom Tebow. He, Tim Tebow. T yeah. <laughs> Timmy Tebow. Yeah. He, he gained us a little traction, you know, 
With the celebrity status kind yeah, of... He did a great job when uh, Peyton Manning was down with his injury the year that Peyton Manning won Super Bowl 50. He did a great job. But I think um, Denver fans are in for a fun season this year. Excellent. They're going to have fun. They're going to sell more, more football shirts this year. All right. Now we're going to play a quick game. I'm going to name three people. You pick one to marry, one to fuck, one to kill. Are you ready? <laughs> You, you have time, okay? Mary, fuck, kill. Bill Belichick, Cliff Kingsbury, Andy Reid. I'm, I'm sorry to say this, being a 20-year Patriots fan, I would kill Bill Belichick. He ran off Brady. What was the other two? Cliff Kingsbury, Andy Reid. Okay, so I'm definitely going to sleep with Kingsbury. Okay. And what was the last thing Andy Reid got? Andy Reid, Mary. Oh, I'm Mary Henry. He's got plenty of money. He's actually a year younger than me, and he looks like 10 years older than me. So, yeah, I'm going to take that route. Okay, in an alternate universe when they were single, would you rather see Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers on The Bachelor? Oh, definitely Brady. Oh, he's beautiful. He it's is. so sad. I mean, he runs like a giraffe, but he's still awesome. <laughs> Who's more of a baby face, Patrick Mahomes or Zach Wilson? Oh, Zach Wilson, hands down. That kid looks like he's about 12, hon. I have to paste the mustache on him. It is. He looks like a teeny tiny baby. What will Deshaun Watson's touchdown to accuser ratio be? Um, I don't think that is all the way settled yet, that poor Deshaun Watson mess. And unfortunately, he's an excellent quarterback. And how could you screw your life up that badly when you make that much money? Oh. But I, I have a huge respect for Deshaun Watson. He's an excellent quarterback. Okay. I'm going to show you a photo of Gardner Minshew. How does this make you feel? Wait, what is it? Well, he looks better than he can play football oh. in that photo. <laughs> he's got like, but he's he's actually he's got like a mullet picture. and a white jean jacket and yeah. a whole lot of manscaping needing to be done. Yeah, it's like that. a '70s. He still looks hot. <laughs> okay, you can't okay. Refuse that chest. What would be worse, Cam Newton being your team's starting quarterback or Cam Newton designing your team's jerseys? Definitely him designing. <laughs> I like Cam Newton. Um, who do you think is going to have better stats this year, Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams? Um, actually, I'm going to go with Melvin Gordon because when he went to Denver, a lot of people went, nah, nah. Melvin Gordon's still playing pretty hot. He's pretty fast. All right. Same question for Mike Evans or Antonio Brown. Whoa, they play on the same team, so there might be a big competition for those two boys. What was the question about the two of them? Like, just kind of like, they like best stats. Like, who's going to really deliver? I think Mike Evans is going to get the better stats because he's going to get the ball more. But do not give up on Antonio Brown pulling out those last-minute miracle catches like he does. Uh-huh. Will the Texans win a game this year? Yeah, they're going to win a, a couple games. They will. <laughs> uh, if you could pick to be the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders or get mad cow disease, which would you pick? <laughs> mad cow disease. Derek Carr played excellent last night. Outstanding last night he played. Oh, good. Okay. Who will win worst dressed, Cam Newton or Ezekiel Elliott? Well, Where's Cam Newton? <laughs> 
can't get it to... I know, I know what he is, is like. Okay. Oh, nice. Ezekiel is <laughs> got like short a short shirt. Yeah, definitely giving it to Ezekiel with the short no. shirts. Somebody add some Not fabric. Not professional. Add some fabric to Ezekiel Elliott's shirts. Yeah, it's like we all know what your body type is. Come on. He's hot. All right. Um, now, these are from my brother. Oh, jeez. How do you feel about how the NFL has evolved? It's like asking what came first, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> we can skip down. Skip that one. Where do you see the juxtaposition of entertainment and player safety meeting in the middle? Actually, they have changed the rules so much that you can hardly push somebody these days without a flag being thrown. But whatever... Do you think that's well-founded? Do you um, think that they're... Well, it's, it's way better for player safety. We're not um, breaking people's necks and backs as much as we used to in the NFL. But look what happened to poor Carson Wentz. He had a horrible coach, Doug Peterson, and he got mashed, and he was an excellent quarterback his first year in 2016-ish or so. Uh-huh. No, I do. I think it's great that they've you know made the game a little less fun, but there's less injury. Yeah, people, okay. Less injury. How do you feel about college players sacrificing everything for an immeasurably low chance of professional success all the while, their stats and image are being sold in advertising and video games. Should college players be compensated? Um, I don't want to make a statement on that, but that still is regarded as baby football. It's not the NFL. Uh-huh. But it is sad that, you know, one in maybe 10,000 players makes it to the NFL. But, you know, this is the name of the game. You start when you're four years old throwing a football and... Look, look at the results. Look what you get back. Yep. Yeah. That's how I see it. Um, I knew his questions were going to be like this. My brother, I know. <laughs> I'm like, NPR called. Uh, as a lifelong fan witnessing how the game has changed over the years, what would you change or implement to make the game better? <clears throat> to make the game better. Mm. Boy, that's a tough one. I'm not, I'm not a professional so it's really hard for me to say what would make the game better. Um, bigger TVs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Terry? Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy. It says, how about that Teddy Bridgewater feller? Am I right? That's what it says. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater filler? Feller. 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 Yeah, I think he's gonna do okay. I really do. I'm I'm on his I'm on his team. All right. I feel bad for uh, the one that got booted, the new kid. But uh, whatever. You gotta you gotta perform. You gotta you gotta play to win. Yeah. All right. Um, any any closing remarks? Anything you want to add? Make sure we didn't get left out. Um, my only closing remark is thank you so much for the opportunity to be on this uh, show with you folks oh. today and. Um, one day at a time. Yep. It's been an honor to have you. It really has. Thanks so much for sharing all your awesome insights. And we've been with Deb today, 15 years sober. When's your sober day? My sober birthday? Yeah. yeah. will be January 22nd. Oh, Excellent. cool. Yeah. So you'll be 16 years this year. I'll be starting 16 got in you. January. Cool. I got one quick last question. Somebody one time said... The day that you decided to start fighting, the day you said, that's it, I'm done with alcohol, you put your flag in the ground, 
And if you had some relapses along the way, but every time you got back up from those relapses and said, I'm getting back on the path. Can you celebrate that as kind of your sober birthday? Or is it the day that you began continuous without interruption? Continuous, babe. It's definitely continuous. I didn't forget everything I learned with all those relapses. I didn't forget it. But how it really works is the yeah. day you stopped and never drank again. Uh-huh. That's the day the, the sun yeah. came out. Yep. They took... They didn't open up the gates of heaven and let me in. They opened up the gates of hell and let me Absolutely. out. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I've, I've been with uh, Sarah Malloy today at her amazing Carbondale home. And I've been here with Elaine Schuyler Neal and, and Auntie Deb. And you've been hanging with the sober baddies. Thanks for checking in. Awesome. See you next time. <laughs> I'm